Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of Oral Presentations, and this will be the first Patreon episode. I, um, I'm super happy that this is even exists, so I, uh, I hope you guys like this one. The last couple of uh, episodes have been pretty learning heavy and kind of difficult, and then on that last one, dude, how I got so fucking sad. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, dude. Keep it together, dude. But when that horse died, how sad is that? It's so fucking sad. Let's not even talk about it. Come on now. We're having a, this is going to be a fun one, right? So I was like, let's loosen up. Let's do one that I know I'm going to enjoy. Episode 14, we're going to do Grigori Rasputin. If you don't know anything about him, just wait. He's a, he's a lot of fun. He is, he might, this might be the biggest piece of shit I've ever, I've ever covered yet. Oh, like, and that's why it's going to be so much fun. All right. Let's um let's go ahead and get it started. Grigory Rasputin. All right. This guy uh this guy was born in Siberia on January 10th, 1819. And that is one of only two things positive I have about this guy in this whole fucking episode. <laughs> That's one of the only two good things I can say about him. All right. He was born January 10th, 1869. Siberia. If you don't know where Siberia is, it's the middle part of Russia, and it's it's 1903. So this is like the middle part of Russia, where like Magnitogorsk will eventually be in this area a little bit, but it's kind of Magnitogorsk is cl- much closer to civilization than where Rasputin was born, dude. Rasputin was born in the boonies of Russia, co- totally out there. It's 2.5 million square miles full of wackos. <laughs> In Russia, especially at this time, because again, in the Magnitogorsk episode, the guys who couldn't speak English and they were using amphibian language, this is like, he, he's born in that neighborhood and it's a huge neighborhood. So everybody there is already pretty fucking weird compared to regular European people of 1903. All right. As a boy, Rasputin was known for being able to see the future, having visions, and being able to heal horses. Now, people say that this was legitimate, that boy Rasputin could put his hand on a horse and heal that thing. But if you've listened to all the episodes, episode two where we cover beautiful Jim Key, remember, horses are way smarter with human body language than we think. So I'm not saying he couldn't heal horses. I don't know. But I don't think people understood how much a person's behavior in a close proximity to a horse may affect it at this time. So I feel like, you know, Greg Rasputin more or less, I don't know, he he learned how to like go up and like look a horse in the eye and be like, you're all right, you're all right. These people think I'm magical. This is great. So he was known for that. He was also known for being a thief and drinking his ass off already. As a boy, he was known for this. Now that is the boyhood of Grigory Rasputin, and then there's nothing on this guy until he turns 30 years old. There's just nothing. It's like he was a boy, and then fast forward to 30. I looked. There's, I couldn't find anything, right? But age 30, he's still living in his hometown of Wackos in Siberia. He now has a wife and four kids. Uh, he's still known as a drunk and a thief, but now his reputation of being magical is solidified. People in his town do kind of think that he is a low-level sorcerer of some of some degree. But he's also known for being a drunk. And known for being a drunk so bad in his hometown that I found out about it. 
Like when people were going to ask about the story of Rasputin after he died, when they interviewed people in his hometown, they he drank so much that they they one of the first things they said is like, yeah, he wouldn't stop stealing shit and he fucking was hammered all the time, and that made its way all the way to me over a hundred years later. So this guy was bombed twenty four seven. All right, so he gets in trouble living the life that he's living, wife and four kids. He gets accused of being a horse thief in his hometown. He can't beat the charge. I mean, I'm, they don't know whether or not he stole the horse, but like you could probably guess this guy fucking stole the horse, dude. So he flees to the nearest monastery to hide out. Probably drunk. He's waiting for his stars to go down, Grand Theft Auto, dude. He hides out in the monastery, and he's not a priest or anything at this point. That's not his job. He's just like a local magic man. So he goes... <laughs> He goes to the monastery to hide out. At the monastery, and the way that it's described in a number of different sources is that he becomes fascinated with organized religion. He he finds his calling. He uh, yeah, it's very. But what he finds out is that like, oh, if I get into this shit, I, I fucking can leave my wife and kids. Nice, and I'm I will probably won't get in trouble for being a horse thief. I don't believe at all that this guy was genuinely religious at any point. I think he was just weird as shit, and then he found out that, like, oh, I can kind of make it in organized religion if I stay super weird. So he allegedly falls in love with religion while hiding out at this monastery. While he's hiding out at the monastery, he's there for a couple of months, and he meets, like, the local headliner named uh, Makarai. This is like the big priest of his town and area, and Makarai's like, this dude is weird. I bet I can... I'm going to... I'm going to like cuff this kid, take him on the road a little bit, have a couple gigs. I, I fucking believe in him. I'll help him out, right? So Rasputin learns some tricks from Makarai. And then he decides that, like, all right, my destiny is out there in nature. I got to go. I feel the calling of some spiritual power. Now I got to go. I just got to go walk around the woods. I got I to gotta take off. I'm leaving on foot. I'll see you. Fucking leaves his wife and kids. Just leaves with no plan. Walks around Siberia for three years. Hanging out. Alright, so he's doing road work, right? So in in Siberia, he's walking around. And when he does it, he's such a drama queen about it, dude. He's like, he's like wearing shackles and stuff. And, you know, not eating a whole lot. And getting bit by mosquitoes. Like, oh, I'm living such a hard life. Because he had a theory that, like, if you live in, like, suffering... And, like, live in sin, then you can transcend suffering and sin, and then, like, you can come out the other way. Whereas a lot of religion is like, no, you try to live the best life you can to get to live a more godly life. Rasputin was like, no, no, it's the other way where you got to, like, sin and get bit by mosquitoes, and then you're more holy. And it's like, all right, man. Yeah, you're, you're more holy, dude. Yeah, that's great. No problem getting bit by mosquitoes for three years, but... Feels like uh, you might be a little scared to take care of your kids. You know what I'm saying? So he he's wandering around. He hooks up with this uh, group of people called the Cleisties. Now this is like a, an illegal, uh, really really fringe religion that's wild. Like so, all right. So Rasputin hooks up with this improv troupe in Siberia, and they and they start doing gigs together. Where like their whole thing is they like spin in circles. They don't they don't get fucked up. Like they don't. They probably drank, but they don't, they're not big on ingesting substances to, to achieve an altered state. They do, like, the Tasmanian Devil Dance for, like, a half hour, and then they all fall down, and they say that, like, oh, I found God, and then they all fuck each other. That's the religion. That's the Cleisties, where, like, they're, they're big into that whole, like, tr- sin to transcend sin, which is like, yeah, all right, man. Hope your fucking wife doesn't hear about this. <laughs> like, so he's on the road 
with his improv troupe, three years, hanging out. Eventually, he's like, ah, all right, I got to go home now. So he goes back to his hometown. His wife's like, where you fucking been? <laughs> he's like, oh, I got the devil inside me now. He, he starts claiming in his hometown that, like, he has the devil inside me. Which made me laugh when I found that out because, as a sidebar here, so, like, when I was growing up, um, I don't know, I think there's an age where uncles decide to treat you like a man and start telling you, like, man stories. So I remember, I remember my uncle, I was driving around with him, and I, and I, I was, like, 12 or whatever, and I was a very naive 12, like, very just, like, oh, po- like Pokemon, Game Boys and stuff, like, the Denver Broncos, like, I, I wasn't any of this. So I was riding around with my uncle, and I think this is when he decided to try to throw the first adult story at me, because we were driving, and he was like, yeah, you know, things kind of get crazy. I think I got in trouble for something, and he was like, yeah, things get crazy sometimes. Like, I remember this one time when I was dating your aunt, you know, in high school, uh, you know, we were all drinking in a drive-thru movie theater that was, like, closed down, it was abandoned, so we broke into the snack stand, and, you know, one thing led to another, and then I, uh, I tore the speaker off the wall of the snack stand, because I was gonna fight, I was fighting a guy, uh, over your aunt, and so I, I twirled it over my head, I used the wire like a rope, and I was twirling the, the speaker over my head like a weapon, and, uh, I was screaming, I got the devil inside of me. <laughs> I remember reading, I like, <laughs> remember hearing him tell me that, and like, when I, I was 12 when I heard it, I was like, this is the coolest guy ever. Are you kidding me? You you made a speaker into a biblical weapon, and you start screaming, I got the devil inside of me? <laughs> you are so cool. So when I, when I found out that Rasputin went home after his years in Siberia and started claiming I got the devil inside of me, it just made me laugh how ridiculous that is. So he's home, his wife's like, great, don't even tell me what you did, I don't care, I need help with the kids, Okay. So Greg's like, no, I got the devil inside me. I got business to do. I'm still going to be a piece of shit to you. So Greg builds a chapel in his basement or in like a pit he owns. He builds like his own church. He opens his own club up in his hometown. I told, I told six, oh, sidebar here. I was walking with six to helium last night. And uh, I told, I was telling him this story and about how Rasputin opens his own club up in his, in his hometown. And six was like, yeah, what do you fucking call it? Laugh Sputin. <laughs> Which, uh, I'll give credit to Six on that one. That one made me laugh pretty hard. Uh, laugh Sputin's Comedy Club. So he opens it up, and he's doing religious services or whatever. But religious services in that he's having every dude's wife from the town come to his fucking shows. And then spinning in circles with him, and then they're all fucking each other. So, I mean, people are getting tired of this bullshit, and his wife hears about it. She can't be thrilled. So eventually, I'm guessing that people got... I'm, I'm guessing he probably was about to get murdered at this point because you can only do that in your hometown so much until somebody's going to take you out, man. Come on. What are you doing? So he he says, like, oh, one day, hey, I had a, I had a vision. I had a vision of the Virgin Mary. And she was like, you have to go to St. Petersburg and help the Tsar and Tsarina. Which, if you remember, when he first hit out in the monastery... And he met that guy, Malachi, Monachi, the local headliner that he hooked up with at the monastery. That guy used to be an advisor for the Tsar and Tsarina. And so, like, when Rasputin first got into religion, and I'm guessing discovered it as an avenue to, like, fame and fortune and wealth, he had a guy who already worked for the fucking royal family that took him under his wing and showed him the ropes and stuff. And so when I heard, when I read, or when I found out that he 
had a vision of the Virgin Mary that you got to go to St. Petersburg for the Tsar and Tsarina. It's like, dude, you have been planning this the whole time, dude. The whole time you've been thinking of this. I bet that's why you went into Siberia to get even fucking weirder. Because when he comes back to his hometown, like, for better or for worse, all that suffering do- did fuck his brain up. Like, he is living a very different life from everybody else in Russia at this point. So people do think he's weird. And he never takes a bath. This guy, that's a... That's a that's a big part of this. This guy smells like shit the whole time. <laughs> In none of this did I ever hear anybody talk about a bar of soap. So he smells horrendous. He smells like the back of your ear. And he's weird. He's got like googly stick stickly eyes. He's got eyes like a Muppet that like everybody says is hypnotizing. But in my opinion, it's just weird. It's not that big of a deal. So Rasputin gets that vision... Of the Hail Mary telling him to go to St. Petersburg. And it's 1903. So Rasputin starts a journey to St. Petersburg. Now to set the stage for what St. Petersburg as a city is like right now. The entire city loves mysticism. In 1903 St. Petersburg. The whole city. And I, I think it's a trend around the world too. Because there's there's a lot of like. like um, I looked into a mystic in America too. I might do one on him. But this period of time. There was a rebirth of like the belief in Ouija boards and seances and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't really know why. It could be because like newly industrialized um, countries like will look to rebound from like that by looking to the spiritual. If you're a rich person who's bored and you own a factory and stuff, you what else are you going to look into? You just, you're just bored all day and you're super rich so you start fucking around with Ouija boards. And I... I mean, I can't substantiate that. That is definitely just a me theory on this one, so it's probably completely incorrect. But I feel like it, there was a resurgence of it because so much new wealth was generated, and then people get bored, and they're like, all right, well, what else are we looking at? I already beat the money game. So St. Petersburg was primed, and they already loved mystics. They're like weird sorcerer people, holy men. They, they it, There was a big crowd for holy men who could like really whoop up a crowd and put on a show. So Rasputin comes into that world, right? And here's the thing. They already know about him before he comes to St. Petersburg. Like before he makes the jump from his satellite city into the main market, because he studied under that guy who worked for the Tsar and Tsarina, and he was crushing road gigs in Siberia when he was with that, with that troop. And now there's word that like, oh, he owned his own club in his hometown. Like people know about him and they know that like, oh, he can heal horses. He's a mystic healer. Like only the good shit is getting back to St. Petersburg. So they hear about this poor guy who can do magic and is a holy man. And everybody kind of is eager to, to see what he's got. Also, it is important and it does help him getting in to the business of being a holy man in St. Petersburg that he does come from such poor stock. And I wonder if that local headliner told him about that. And if, if that influenced him deciding to go to like into Siberia for three years and walk around and get bit by mosquitoes, so when he got to St. Petersburg, he would be as weird as possible with a backstory that he could sell to these people, and that's what happens. He goes to St. Petersburg and immediately he starts killing, and he gets cuffed by the two like biggest religious guys in that in St. Petersburg, the two guys who kind of run the scene. Their names are Iliador and Bishop Hermigan. So these two guys more or less run the scene of mystics in St. Petersburg and pretty quick they cuff Rasputin and they're like, hey, this kid's got something. I like him. I'm going to I'm gonna help him develop here. So 
Rasputin is already as as Iliador and Bishop Herman take him under his wing. Greg is catapulted into doing gigs for the aristocracy, so he's already running in these circles of the Tsar and Tsarina. Things couldn't have gone better as far as if he actually planned this, which I'm pretty sure he did, to be able to get to the highest seat of power in Russia and be able to fuck around. But he is killing at these aristocracy gigs. They fall for his hypnotic eyes. Like everybody's wives love him, but he's not really fucking around too much yet. He's just doing shows. The hypnotic eyes thing, I, I thought, I thought about this, and I think what what he might, I think he just he was just doing pickup artist tricks. Like I talked about that lasagna story in the DB Cooper episode, where like that was a stupid thing from one of those books that they tell you to do. I think that like a lot of Rasputin's like mysticism and the reason he could influence people is because he was using like pickup artist tricks. Like when they say hypnotic eyes, I think this dude knew just to have like a flat face and not break eye contact first. And it would kind of scare people if you smell bad. (laughs) He was just doing UFC stare-downs with everybody's wife in the aristocracy of Russia. And then they would go home and be like, I really felt some magic there. And it's like, no, he's just a dude you haven't met before. And he's smelly and he stared at you long enough to make you uncomfortable. But anyway, Slice it, he gets really popular, right? There is a... I did watch one of the documentaries on this... uh, and I'll post the clip that made me laugh that there's uh, one of the official speakers in one of these documentaries who's supposed to be like editorializing the historical facts. They cut back to him when they introduced the Tsar and Tsarina. And he's like, well, one thing you got to know about Alexandria is that she was a silly bitch. <laughs> and the problem was her husband was just as stupid as she was. And that's the official record. That's like an official documentary made by like Nat Geo or some company with real money and like you got to pass things through editors and they have to approve things and that made the final cut. We're just calling this lady a silly bitch, which we're going to introduce now. So you have the Tsarina, Alexandria, and her husband, Nicholas. Um, As the dude in the documentary said, Alexandria... I mean, yeah, I mean, you definitely call her a silly bitch, you know? She loved astrology, mysticism, all this shit you can't prove. All the shit that, like, is fine to think about. It's not, if it doesn't hurt anybody, it's fine. But, like, yo, you got to handle your Tsarina business first before we are talking about space demons or whatever you want to fucking believe in. But she was all in on it. Even before she met Rasputin, she hasn't met him yet. So what happens is that the Tsarina gives birth to her son, Alexei. And she says, after she gives birth, she's like, oh my God, it's a miracle. And it's a miracle because of this mystic that I employ. His name is Dr. Philippe. He knows everything. I love him, right? All right, so Dr. Philippe dies. But before he dies, Dr. Philippe tells Alexandria that like, hey, I'm going to die soon, but... Just so you know, don't worry, there's going to be a person, I can feel it, I can sense it in the universe, that there is going to be a person who comes to take my place, who will be so good to you, he'll be your guardian angel, just a second, <laughs> fucking dies, right? And I when, I when I learned that, I don't, I kind of have a theory that I feel like all these mystic dudes in St. Petersburg were in cahoots in some way. And so, like, if Dr. Philippe had the best job in the city, which is, like, you are the right hand to the Tsarina, 
there might have been some unwritten rule of like, yo, if you know you're going to die or you're going to step down, you have to feed her some bullshit about like there's going to be a guy coming in my place. So somebody else can get this job after you die. Like for whoever gets it, we just can't lose her employing one of these people because this is a great gig. That's like a theory I have on this. I feel like they just all talk to each other. Because you couldn't risk letting that position fall by the wayside if some dude dies. And all these guys know each other. Like, even if they're not friends, they're all, like, they can get a hold of each other. I feel like Dr. Philippe did that as, like, a way to pass the job on to whoever, whoever's coming next. And you could probably guess who's coming next. It's Stinky Greg. <laughs> He's got all, all the credits that the print, that the Zarin is looking for. He's poor. He's weird. He's got a, Great, strange backstory. He's got those pickup artist tricks. So he he starts hanging around, you know, but he's not in yet. But he's been, you know, introduced to her. She's seen him, like, do his shows and stuff. She's into it. The turning point happens where Rasputin really, really shines is it's found out that the Tsarina's child is a hemophiliac or has hemophilia. If you don't know what hemophilia is, that's a blood disease where your blood doesn't know to clot. It can't clot. So if you get cut or injured, even internal injuries, like they just bleed and bleed and bleed. And it's a super, super dangerous thing to have, especially back then. Because there was, at this time in 1903, there was no preventative or like cures or anything. So like her son, who was going to one day become the czar of all of Russia is really, really fragile. And she has to watch out for him. Cause if he like skins his knee or anything, like it could kill him. It's already pretty hard to survive in 1903, but this kid, this kid, like there's a, he, there's a good chance he's going to die. So she is really nervous about him. So one day, I guess she's not that nervous about him. Cause she takes him out horse riding. Jesus. So the Zarina takes her kid out horse riding. He falls off the horse, I'm not going to call you a bad mom, but, you know, your kid's hemophilia, you know, maybe don't put him on a horse, dude. So he falls off, suffers, in, one source said internal injuries, and one source said that he had, like, a cut on his knee. Either way, he's hurt from falling off a horse. Everybody's worried because they can't stop the bleeding. This kid might die from this, right? And they don't know how Rasputin knew to ask at this point, but I'm guessing somebody told him. So... Without her asking, Rasputin comes up to her and is like, hey, let me see your son. I know he's fucked up. I bet I can heal him. You know me. You've seen my shows. I've done a lot of horses before. I can do people too. Let me see your son. So Zarina believes all in all this stuff. She believes all of it. And so she's like, okay, well, this is probably my best chance. Let me go and let this guy do whatever the fuck he wants. So Rasputin goes into the room and this is it, dude. Greg knows all those years in Siberia, all those gigs he's done, this is the time he's got to really do it. He's got to put a headliner set on right now. This is a big deal. So Greg goes by the boy's bedside, and he prays all night. He does, dude. He pulls out all the stops, all his improv tricks. He's spinning in circles. He's pulling his pants down. Pre-planned audience participation, everything you can think of. He's doing, he's doing everything you learned, right? Somehow... And this, they can't explain how this happens. It works. It works. The boy recovers. 
Nobody can explain it. Even now, they don't. I mean, maybe he timed it right. Maybe he got lucky. I don't know. Or maybe he was. He had the devil inside of him. <laughs> I don't know. But whatever he did, it it stopped the bleeding of her son, preserved the idea that he might become czar of Russia. And at this point, the Tsarina can't love this guy enough. He's actually done the job that he was saying he could do this whole time at the most pivotal moment. And this is a terrible thing for Russia, but it's a it, there is not a better thing possible for Greg at this point. He had to be surprised himself. He had to walk out of that room and be like, Jesus Christ, that fucking worked, huh? But it worked, and Rasputin knows... All right, well, I got an opportunity here. He's like a scummy pickup artist piece of shit guy. He starts leveraging over the Tsarina. He he tells her, hey, without me, you know, your boy will die. He will never become the Tsar of Russia without me. The good news is, you know, I'd love to hang out, you know? What a fucking scumbag. He starts living in the palace. He comes and goes as he pleases. He sees the Tsarina once a week and, like... He's making, because he knows he can't be fucked with now. He's, he's totally protected from on high. He can do whatever he wants. And he was already kind of doing whatever he wanted. He's never really had a whole lot of discipline. His, wife, his wife's at home with four kids being like, where the fuck is Greg at? <laughs> Greg is in the palace calling the Tsar and Tsarina mama and papa to fuck with him. He's making, he's like openly spreading that like he fucks the Tsarina once a week. He's like, oh yeah, I see her in private. You know what I'm saying? Fucking scumbag. He has access to the daughters. He's, he's saying the same kind of shit about the daughters. He's like, oh, I counsel them too whenever they need it, you know? Fucking gross, dude. He's fucking everybody at this point. It's not just the Tsar and Tsarina. He's doing, he's still doing shows and shit. So all the aristocracy's wives are just throwing themselves at him. And listen to this scumbag trick he does. So he never like talks about like, oh yeah, we're going to bang. It's going to be awesome. He just tells people that like, oh, it's part of the religious ceremony. He's selling all the shit he learned in Siberia from that, the Kleisti tribe, his improv troupe with the, the Tasmanian devil dance. And then we all fall down and fuck each other. He's running that play, so it's it's totally skirting the issue of, like, is it fucked up that I sleep with you because I have a husband? It's like, oh, no, it's part of religion. This dude, this dude must have been laughing all day, every day. Ha oh, also drunk all the time. All the time. Would just pull his dick out whenever he wanted. He knew that he couldn't get in trouble. He he could not get in trouble. Anything that they told the Tsarina, because the, the future of the Russian throne is on the line here. So this dude has <laughs> somehow... Lucked his way, living a scumbag life into a bulletproof existence, doing whatever he wants. Among the highest, most wealthy people of Russia. You gotta hand it to him that it did work out. I mean, he is a huge piece of shit. But I don't know how that worked. But And now he's just swimming in it, dude. Telling people that like, oh, your wife's gotta do religious service with me. <laughs> like, to, to husband's face they're just making fun of them to their face. At one point, it gets so wild. So he gets his own apartment away from the, the, the palace itself. It's a huge palace. It's a huge apartment. He's running people in and out of it. He's doing his religious services there. He's also, like, just... He'll bring a... a he'll roll with a crew down to a bathhouse, and then they'll do their whole religious thing there, too. 
And it's at one point in time, he gets so out of hand. He is losing his mind during all this, by the way. He is like, people see him in the street, like holding his head, like, I got the devil inside of me. Like, he is cracking up. But his real descent into insanity starts at one of his bathhouse parties because he, he just beats the shit out of one of, the, one of the ladies that he's with. Like, just openly, really gives, like, beats her up in front of everybody. Like, people that weren't even there for the religious thing are watching this. Like, th- this guy, this guy is really hitting this girl a lot. Jesus, man. Like, I know he's protected, but, like, this, he's got to kill... Like, it's a... It's documented as being, like, a terrible beating. And then he has sex with her afterwards. And at, at that, people are like, all right, this guy might be the devil. This guy... This guy might have the devil inside him. And after this, people hear about this, and it's... It's too much, man. And he is parading around in the street when he's not busy doing some other horrific shit... With his hands on his head being like, I got the devil inside of me. And like, look, if you, you can always say that shit so much before people are going to start to believe it. And people don't want to hang out with the devil, dude. Like, you are going to get yourself murdered screaming that shit and acting this way. And I'm not even, I can't even feel bad for you, dude. You've been a piece of shit since day one. Right after you were born. That's one of the only two things I got positive to say about you. So the two headliners, when he first got to St. Petersburg, that cuffed him and got him in the aristocracy, Iador and Ermogen, Ermitode, Ermit, <laughs> Iador and Nematode, fucking pull him aside. They lure him to a basement and they're like, yo man, you have got to chill with this shit. You are getting too crazy. You are fucking this up for everybody. All right. You are, everybody is mad at you. You got to stop doing this shit. And Rasputin's like, oh, I don't fucking know, man. I'm, I'm drunk right now, dude. What are you even talking about? And then, I love this, Iador grabs Rasputin by the cock. They don't say whether or not he went in the pants. Rasputin might have been naked for this. I don't know. But he grabs him by his dick, and he's like, this is the problem. Do you listen to me? Greg, this is the problem. All right, so, and then they beat the shit out of him. Using a crucifix. One of them had a big cross, and they were just beating his ass in a basement. So... That happens to Rasputin, and then he goes and he tattletales to the Tsarina. He's like, they were mean to me. They beat me up, and the one guy touched my bathing suit parts. So she's like, all right, well, I'm going to banish all of you. This has gotten too crazy. Honestly, I heard about that thing at the bathhouse. That's fucking nuts. Everybody's banished, man. Everybody get out of St. Petersburg. You can't be here. So Rasputin goes home, and Iodor is like, I'm going to fucking kill you, man. But then he flees to uh, Finland. Dressed as a woman. So Iador dresses like a, a lunch lady and goes to Finland. Uh, Rasputin goes home. Nematode leaves also, but he is not really involved in the story anymore, so you don't really hear about him again. In his hometown, Greg Rasputin shows up. Wife's probably like, all right, great, where the fuck you been now? He's like, oh, I'm just doing some stuff, right? So he's hanging out at his own, his own home. He starts trying to do the church thing again. Not that much time passes, and then he goes out to get the mail one day, and a former prostitute with no nose uh, stabs him in the stomach a bunch, a lot. Uh, so much so that the account of it is that like his intestines were like out of his body. Sorry to be gross on this one, but it's important because it's crazy that he doesn't die right now. So nineteen, uh, it's like 1910 at this point. His intestines out of his body in his hometown. So, like, there's no good hospitals. You're in Siberia, dude. So, and it turns out that Eodor sent that woman to murder Rasputin. And it almost worked. Rasputin's pretty fucked up. He's laying in a bed. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. 
Right? And while this is happening, he's healing up. He doesn't die. But while this is happening, World War One is getting cooked up, and he's not in St. Petersburg to be able to influence anything. He does not want a world war because right now he's like, all right, well, I got put in timeout by the Tsarina for all that crazy shit. I'm going to give it a little bit to die down, but eventually her son's going to get fucked up again, and she'll call me to come back. I'll, I'll be back in St. Petersburg, back on top in a minute. Don't worry about it. That was his plan. But World War One's getting cooked up, and he's like, fuck, this is going to be so bad for me. This is not going to – even if we win the war, I won't be able to be in the, the seat of power I was in. And it was so much fun being a giant hunk of shit in a major city in 1907. I was a complete scumbag, but I would love, I would love to live that life again, to be honest with you. So we can't go to war. But he's, his intestines are all fucked up. He's at home. He can't do anything. So he's sending furious letters back to the Tsar and Tsarina like, you cannot go to war. Do not go to war. I've seen all these visions. Let me tell you, I've seen it in, the, in my head. I'm doing all this stuff. Don't worry about it. I got stabbed in the stomach. I can still see the future. You can't do this. They don't listen to him. World War One. Russia jumps in on it. And at this point in time in the story, what do you think happens? Do you think Rasputin heals up and just kind of like, you know, maybe lives a good life in his hometown, starts doing volunteer work, coaching kids basketball, lives a good life, opens a soup kitchen? Fuck no. Rasputin's like, well, all right, well, we're at war, but... I'm still going to go try to have the most fun as I can in St. Petersburg because I'm a hunk of shit. I don't care about my wife. I'm leaving again. See ya, honey. Leaves wife and kids again. Goes back to St. Petersburg. Back in St. Petersburg. But it's a different St. Petersburg now. It's a St. Petersburg that is at World War. Now, which means a lot of people have a lot less food. Everybody's pretty grumpy. But what's important for Rasputin is the czar himself isn't even in St. Petersburg anymore. He went to the front lines. I don't know why he went to the front lines. It wasn't a great move to go to the front lines, man, especially with Rasputin here. But Rasputin shows up, and the Tsarina, who's already in love with him and believes with him, you know, had to banish him, but definitely wanted him back. She doesn't even have a husband anymore that he has to worry about. So he's way back on top at this point. People start referring to St. Petersburg as the devil city. At this point, because he is influencing everything. He's running the aristocracy. He's hiring fire. And every, like, he gets he gets a real job at this point. She puts him in charge of, like, hiring and firing people. He's hiring and firing people in the military that are on the front lines. All the while, he's definitely still fucking that Tsarina and anybody else who will have him. He's back running these church services. All the, the husbands of the aristocracy are like, I can't believe this fucking guy's back again, dude. God damn it. I thought he got stabbed really good in Siberia. How is he back, man? He's doing all this shit. At one point in time, he fires like the head military commander for the Russian army. And he replaces him with like a personal friend who's not good at any sort of military anything. But he is good at stealing and embezzling a ton of money. So Rasputin fucks over any chance that the Russian army had to win World War I by putting that guy in charge. Also, World War I... Russia didn't have much of a shot to begin with. Their army sucked, dude. This is before industrialization of Russia or the Soviet Union. These are like serfs. Some of them have guns. Some of them just have a bullet or two. Some of them have guns and bullets that don't fit with each other so they can't use them. There's a handful of dudes that just have like a hammer. Like this is World War I. You're fighting Germany and Germany is fully mechanized at this point. They have, they have machine guns. You got dudes with a hammer and you got a guy who doesn't know shit about the military telling him to go run that way. It's a fucking mess. It's all Rasputin's fault, man. 
So Rasputin's back in the city. The city's miserable. They're losing the war. So even less food is around for the regular people. And this is what starts to fuck over Rasputin. Because the aristocracy is one thing. But if the entire city hates you because they're starving and like the suicide rate triples in St. Petersburg at this point, like it's a, it's a hellacious environment to live in. That is going to be a problem because they'll come get you. They don't care. They don't have, they don't have any like aristocracy political relations to like preserve. They're just fucking poor people who are starving. So if you piss too many of them off, they'll come get you, dude. They start, they refer to it as the devil's city. They start making merch for Rasputin that makes fun of him. Like there's this, uh, I don't know, not a t-shirt, but, like, it's some drawing of, like, creepy Rasputin and then the Tsarina in front of him. And, like, he's holding one of her boobs and, like, making a Rasputin face. Like, Ugh, And then it's got the word aristocracy underneath it. Like, things are falling apart for Greg. And he's back in St. Petersburg. He's losing his mind and doing the I got the devil inside me dance in the street again. So people are like, this guy might be fucking up. We got to get this guy out of here. We're losing the war. And I think it's this guy's fault because he's the devil. Because, remember, the whole population also believes in mysticism, too. So they actually might think this guy's the devil now because he's been around and word's gotten out that he f- he fixed the sun, like he can actually heal people and stuff, and we're losing the war. You put those two things together, yo, I think this might be Beelzebub. We got to get him out of there. Which leads us to the death of Grigory Rasputin. All right, so when Rasputin was doing his religious services, he would fuck anything. Like he was like a vampire. He would do... Men, women, whatever, whatever was there. He was just, he was down for whatever, dude. So, like, one of the guys that he slept with, a dude named Phoenix Yusupov, who also may have been the richest person person in Russia at this point. Uh, he comes up with a plan where he, because he had a super pretty wife, who I'm guessing Rasputin already slept with once or twice. So he was, Felix was like, yo, Greg, what's up? We're having a party in a basement. Dress up, dude. My wife's going to be there. You should come and uh, do religion on my wife again. I'd love that, man. That'd be great. I'll be there. It'd be cool. I'll watch. All right. So, so Rasputin's probably hammered like he was the whole time anyway. And he's like, nice, dude. <laughs> Thanks. So he puts on his fur top hat <laughs> and silk shirt, bunch of belts and lady jeans and fucking goes to this basement uh, so when he gets to the basement, Felix is like, uh, oh, she's not here yet. Uh, we already ate dinner though. Um, uh, you know, the food's still out. If you want to eat something, go for it. There's like booze and stuff, dude, help yourself. So Rasputin's like, this is probably a trap. So he hang Rasputin hangs out for two hours. He doesn't eat anything. And the whole time Felix is there talking to him, whatever. And so eventually Rasputin's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> so he eats a bunch of these cakes and drinks all the wine Right, and it, the all, all, both the cakes and the wine, it's documented, individually had enough cyanide to kill most people. And Greg is crushing all that. He's eating like he's on death row. He's like, fuck it, whatever. I'm fine, God, through sin and time for some gluttony. He eats all of this poison food and drinks all the poison wine. Two hours pass. Nothing happens. And Felix starts to get weird. He starts to kind of lose his nerve. Because he also half believes that this guy might be the devil. And he just saw this dude house so much cyanide. And he's still just here talking to me. It's not, it's not affecting him at all. So Felix wigs out. And he runs upstairs. And he's like, hey, does anybody have a revolver? <laughs> guy have a gun? Didn't think to bring his own gun. Borrows a gun off somebody. Comes back down to the basement. Show, like, shows the gun to Rasputin. Rasputin stands up. And it's documented in, in one of the sources that like... People think it's odd that all Rasputin did was stand up. 
He didn't try to fight him. He didn't say anything. When he saw the gun, he just stood up and stared at Felix. And I was like, yeah, he all he did was stand up and stare. I, like, you ever have one of those times where, like, you're drinking and stuff and you don't know how fucked up you are until you stand up and then you're like, oh, my God, I'm fucked up. That's what happened. Rasputin housed all that cyanide and was just sitting there like, dude, I don't think it's affecting me, dude. I had a big lunch, dude. I can I can put down a couple. I'm all right. And then he stood up and was like, Jesus, fuck. Right? So he stands up and just stares at him. Felix thinks it's the devil. Shoots him twice. Greg goes down. <laughs> Greg's down. Felix runs upstairs. And he's like, oh, I killed him. What's up? Let's fucking drink, dude. Let's celebrate. I killed the devil. So they just leave his body in the basement. They start partying upstairs. But a little bit of time goes by, and Felix is like, I'm kind of nervous that that guy's not dead. I'm going to go back downstairs and check on him. Felix goes back downstairs to check on him, gets close to him, and sees that his eye is moving. And then, like, out of a movie, this must have this must have been fucking scary. Rasputin grabs Felix by the neck and starts trying to choke his ass out. <laughs> He's not dead yet. He's back, and he's pissed. He's got a belly full of cyanide and two bullet wounds. He's hanging in, dude. He's trying to choke your ass out. You promised me your wife, man. What is this shit? I put on a silk shirt. Felix starts flipping out, runs upstairs, wrestles him off him, runs upstairs, leaves him downstairs. Rasputin collapses. Felix goes upstairs, and he's like, what the fuck? That guy's still not dead. I can't fucking believe it. They bring guns down to the basement. And they discover that Rasputin at this point is is crawling out of the basement window. Bullet wounds and cyanide and everything. Crawling out of the basement window. And it's December when this is happening in Russia. It's freezing outside. He's crawling out the window. And he's like, oh, fuck you guys. I'm going to Chickies. So he crawls out the window. They meet him outside. Felix hits him two more times. Point blank range. Shoots him two more times. Rasputin doesn't stop crawling. He's still crawling, and he's looking up, and he's like, fuck you, I'm going to tell the Tsarina. <laughs> I'm going to tell on you, right? The Tsar's cousin comes up, shoots Rasputin again in the back, point-black range, and in the head. So that's six bullet wounds at this point. And at this point in time, Greg stops crawling. He, he needs a nap at least, right? They don't know whether he's dead or not, and they're all terrified, because this is crazy for a human to die like this. He might be the fucking devil, man. He might not have been lying the whole time. So they go down to check on him. And they're like, this guy is still breathing. How is he still breathing, dude? They wrap him up. They put him in a car. Again, it's December in Russia. They go to a bridge. They throw him off a bridge into a river. Or no, I'm sorry. They don't throw him off a bridge. The river's frozen. So they have to like go drive to the river, go to the river, put a hole in this ice, in this frozen Russian river. This dude's not dead yet. Stuff him down the river. And then they all just get back in the car and they're like, man, I hope that gets drifted out to sea. Honestly, (laughs) if that guy lives through that, I mean, we are fucked. (sighs) Two days later, Rasputin body washes up on the shore of the river. He didn't go to the sea. Washes up on the shore of the river. In the autopsy, they find water in Rasputin's lungs. So he wasn't dead when he went into the river. He was still going. Six bullet wounds, belly full of cyanide, freezing river. Also, the autopsy was like, somebody cut his dick off at some point. (laughs) Apparently, the body didn't have its penis on it. So, no... 
I couldn't find any of the official stories when that happened, but in one of them, it was like, and his, it was obvious his penis wasn't removed. So either uh, some, they're skipping that part of the death or like a, like a Russian barracuda fucking ate it. So they find him no dick, six bullet wounds, water in his lungs. He's dead, finally. Fucking took forever to kill him. Russia still loses the war. And before he died, he told the Tsarina, like, oh, I feel like I'm dead already. Because he knew public sentiment was turning against him. So he told the Tsarina, like, I feel like I'm already dead. I'm going to die a painful death soon. And if I die, if you let me die, all your family will die in three months. Just to, I don't know, try fucking save his own ass, I'm guessing. But turns out that actually happened. Three months after, less than three months later, they find the body of, uh, two days to find the body of Rasputin. And then the Russian Revolution happens. The Tsarina, everybody, that's the movie Anastasia. They all get, well, they get kidnapped first and they get shot in a basement. So, I mean, there are enough parts of the story to line up that if you wanted to believe that this guy was the devil, like, I guess. I mean, there's more proof than if you wanted to have anybody else. But for me, it's a really funny story about a dude who is just a complete, just a marvelous hunk of shit whole time. But with just a little bit of luck at the right time, he made it happen, man. You know, he did, for whatever reason, he did that set next to that boy's bed, and that was and it was off to the races after that, man. So that is the death of Grigory Rasputin, or the, the whole story of Grigory Rasputin. I like learning about the early part of him. I didn't know any of that. I knew the, the death was weird, and then again, I saw the movie Anastasia, but that doesn't really tell you anything. It was interesting to me that, like, yeah, he might have planned this thing the whole time. He might have planned to be able to infiltrate the high-level... You know, religious cleric scene in St. Petersburg and be able to do the thing that that local headliner told him so many years ago when he first had to flee from the horse thief charge in that monastery. That's my theory on it. I think he planned the whole thing, man. So, Grigory Rasputin, guys. Episode 14, marvelous hunk of shit, huh? All right, thanks so much. I'll, uh, I'll see you guys next week. I hope everybody has a really nice week. And also, if you listen to this and you're on Patreon, holy shit, fucking thank you, man. Thank you so, thank you so much. It's crazy to me that this exists. So thanks, guys. All right. Have a nice week, everybody. I'll see you.